0: This time, we're blessed to have our second message for today by Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled Salvation is of the Lord. Good afternoon. I supposed to. Uh I forgot, Rick, that I was supposed to run this up my sleeve and uh, attach it to my tie, buckle it onto my belts. I forgot the process, and so I went back to the old way. <laughs> so Rick said, that's okay. All right. Just a few things before I begin. You know, Doyle mentioned 2 Timothy 3.1, uh, where it said uh, that perilous times shall come, and we know that. And sometimes it comes unexpectedly. Uh, Perilous times just means that dangerous times are going to come in in the last days. And so we see that this wickedness that we, you know, have heard about here recently, last night, this morning, is uh, one of those signs, one of those things that is foretold here in the Word of God. And then, you know, uh, Doyle gave the reasons as to why. In that Paris attack, we we read that it was by ISIS. They claim responsibility for it 129 dead, 300 or so, 352, I think, are hospitalized, 99 of them uh, critical. And so the, the French president says it was an act of war. And he warns that France will be merciless toward the barbarianism of Islamic State groups. You know, we're mindful. It's sometimes often just the back of our mind. And this is not the subject I'm going to be talking about, but I just wanted to uh, address this. In Matthew 24, 6, it says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then he says, See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And on down in verse 12 of chapter 24, he says, That iniquity shall abound. And the love of many shall wax cold, But we're called to endure. And we're told to watch and pray. And not let a day go by without that prayer. Uh, I, I was reading also uh, uh, that outside this uh, Bataclan, this theater, where this performance was being, uh, where all this took place. Most of it where A lot of it took place. Uh, that outside the theater today is a uh, gentleman who plays piano, and he wanted to bring uh, a kind of a, a music of peace to that uh, those troubled people there. And he was uh, playing the song "Imagine" uh, by John Lennon, 1971. It's uh, known as the world's greatest peace anthem, and uh, you know it has a good melody. The, if you listen to the piano, you immediately know the words are are familiar with the words. And also uh, the melody is good. But then when you listen to some of the lyrics there, it, uh, uh, imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill for or die for. And no religion too. Imagine all the people living in peace. And imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. While it's a, a peaceful, melodious song, the words, they don't uh, give us the real hope that is beyond. They don't give us the real story about deliverance, about salvation that is to come, even though we have to endure a lot of the things that we see happening in the world. And like Doyle said, we need to be thankful for what we have, for the relative peace that we have, because you never know when you're at some sporting event, or at a theater, or at a shopping center, or in the mall somewhere, someone like this is going to uh, bring a disaster and sorrow to our lives, so there's only one way out, in the book of Jonah, chapter 2, and in verse, ni- uh, verse 9, Jonah said this, salvation is of the Lord, of the eternal, you remember Jonah tried to run, Tried to run away, and that was his way of just, just saying no to what God wanted him to do. And then he was swallowed up by this, this giant fish. This, this, you know, I guess the biggest fish I know is a, is a crappie, you know, about two pounds. But, <laughs> but this was a big whale. I guess that's, they say it was a whale, but it's a big fish, uh, something in the sea. So humanly speaking, he was in a, a very big fix being swallowed up on the insides of that thing. And there was nothing he could do. Nothing he could do. But what his experience tells us is, though it seem, might seem too late for us, God does answer and hear our prayer for help. In Jonah 2.7, here's what he said. He said, I remembered the Lord. Not only, you know, did he call it to mine he also acted upon that I remembered the Lord and that was you know what he said in gratitude he said salvation is of the Lord you know he saw uh, seeing God's grace remembering God's grace now uh, the uh, in Jonah this word salvation in Hebrew is pronounced Yeshua and it means deliverance it means aid it means victory to someone, someone being saved. So Jonah chapter two, verse nine, salvation is of the Lord. Then in Acts four twelve, we read this this statement of Luke who says, he says this Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So what I like to do uh, is to tie these two together. These words from the Old Testament, which, you know, to a lot of people, this is not really old. But to, to tie these words to uh, the New. Again, <laughs> there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's not going to be uh, uh, any name like, you know, some people think uh, Buddha or some of the other religions. Uh It's not going to be the Pope, it's not going to be me, it's not going to be any man or any any organization. There is only one authority, one power under which uh, we may be saved. So Luke here, he adamantly expresses that there is no other authority, no other power or character, no other person in all the worlds who can deliver us from the danger of eternal death of eternal shame and death. So, the Messiah, we know, is the promised liberator of of the Hebrew people that the scriptures in the Old Testament talked about. But when he came, we know that uh, many of the uh, Jewish leaders, they didn't accept him. They persecuted him. uh, They didn't believe in him. But even even though the, the prophets of that time spoke of a coming Messiah, they still questioned him when he came on the scene. In Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 6, here we have these prophetic words of Isaiah. And they went like this. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called wonderful. That's going to be his authority. That's going to be his power. That's going to be... Uh, Everything that Jesus can be. Wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we see that He is going to come and is going to have a a universal rule, and peace will come. Matthew 1, chapter 1, uh, verse 18. You know, in a few months, people will be looking at the birth of Jesus, they'll be celebrating Christmas. Fear not to take unto you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. So he will have the authority, he will have the power, he will have the wisdom to forgive sin and to be the Savior. Now, verse 22. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of, of which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So, we know that verse 6 happened, you know, uh, Christ was born, and he did many miracles, miracles. heal the sick, even raise the dead, show that he had authority to even uh, uh, forgive sin, and he preached repentance and talked about the coming kingdom of heaven. And so, if you look through the book of Matthew, we see that Matthew's documentation of the lineage of Christ, uh, names uh, of people who begat who, who begat who, who begat who was so that those would know that, you know, Jew, uh, that Christ was of, uh, of the tribe of Judah, tribe of, uh, of the Jews. But uh, Matthew gives us kind of a portrait of Christ, who he is, what he did, his baptism, and all of that, and why it is he came to be. Now, that was for the sake of the Jews, For them to know that he was of the seed of Abraham. Later uh, Jesus said uh, before Abraham was I am. Now verse 7 in Isaiah. Back to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Can you see that as eternal peace. Long lasting peace. Everlasting peace under that government that is to come. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So verse 7 we see is still to occur. Lasting peace has not been established yet. But this is our hope that not only will Jesus save man, from war and ruin. But he will establish lasting peace. And we will have a part in performing that. We've often heard you know, the belief that uh, uh, God is not trying to save everyone. Not trying to save all of mankind right now. Instead it is a chosen few. A chosen few. Just as he uh, chose the small nation of Israel. To be set apart as holy. To be obedient. To his laws, to be an example, to uh, a light around, uh, to the nations around them. So he began with a little flock when, uh, uh, when he told uh, Peter uh, about his church. He said, This group of light, one, uh, these, these uh, uh, called out ones, would be a light unto the rest of the world. He said to the first of his called out disciples, He said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. It's not going to die out. Once you're once called, he, it's not going to die out. So he's speaking of the church that uh, of that time until today, and also uh, the future, uh, tomorrow. First Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse 21, twenty-one. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Jews require, verse 22, a sign, and the Greeks, they seek after wisdom. Now, the Jews remembered from the writings of Moses and the prophets the great signs that God had done when he brought the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw the water spill from the rock. They saw all of these uh, things. The prophets saw, you know, the sun standing still. So they had this recorded uh, evidence of miracles, great miracles that God had done the manna and so on but when Christ was there apparently the miracles of Christ that he had shown was not enough even though he raised many you know from the dead and he instantly cured disease and, and took away the blindness and, and the lame man's arm was healed just touched it and told the man that was sick with palsy to get up from your, uh, your mattress and, and carry it off but the Greeks, now, they sought words from knowledgeable ones to make sense of, of, of the world around them, to make sense of the things they heard and they saw, things that would, you know, stimulate their thinking. Plato once said, to do injustice is more disgraceful than to suffer it. So you might say, hmm, I like that, but what does it mean? And so let's talk about it. That's what they would do. They would talk about it. That was the wisdom. They wanted to see what it, what it meant. Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks foolishness. So the death of Jesus raised questions in the minds of some. Because if he is the Messiah, what happened to the kingdom that was supposed to be established? What happened to the kingdom that was to bring peace? And uh, with the Messiah ruling uh, on the throne as prophesied. Now, you know, from Matthew 24, we know that the kingdom is coming. But there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen before that time. And it's going to happen just a little before all hope seems to be lost. That uh, salvation will be of the Lord. So, you know, the Apostle Paul, he was strict in the religion of the Jews. uh, So, he knew how Christ uh, was a stumbling block to them. The Jews, you know, they had the traditional offerings, the sacrifices, the rituals, the holy symbols. They felt that made them holy to God. That they had the favor of God. uh, The God of their fathers. They had those traditional things. So how could this Jesus, being the son of God, die and be the sacrifice for sins, doing away with some of those uh, traditions of, of Moses? Now we know that it became possible for Jesus to sin. And what would have happened to Jesus if he did sin? You know, sin, uh, the wages of sin is death. But he never gave into it. He was tempted in all things just as we were. So it became possible for Jesus to be tempted into sin. But we can be thankful that Jesus kept his mind, kept his actions pure through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in him. That Holy Spirit, that mind of Christ that is in us even today. So he had to take on the nature of man. He had to take on the nature of man's mortality. Man's mortality needing oxygen. Needing food, needing air, uh, you know, air to breathe, needing water to drink, to maintain his body, to be able to live. But here we see that he left his throne of glory to be the savior of man and deliver man from sins. Because you know, man was made a little lower than the angels and so was Jesus Christ. So we can be thankful for the sacrifice that he made for us. Hebrews 9, uh, no, Hebrews 2, that is, verse 9. And we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That he could taste death, if we put our name in there we can appreciate and be thankful uh, that that's what he did for it became him for whom are all things and by him by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings so jesus had to become a true human in order to be a savior to experience life as human mortals do verse 14 uh, Jesus said, uh, for as much, in verse 14, I don't, yeah, there we go. Uh, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. You know, the devil is a deceiver. He's a tempter. God doesn't tempt anyone, but men are tempted when they are drawn away by their own lust. And then they sin, which brings on uh, the uh, possibility of death if they don't repent. But Christ, we know, came with a, a plan of salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 10, this plan of salvation, verse 10, of which salvation? The prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. You know, if we can imagine these words being preached by the preacher, looking out as, you know, as I am to you. You know, we just have to insert our name or somebody we know into where it says you. It's come unto you. Put yourself as uh, the you that he is addressing here. Verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in him, did signify. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we see that uh, the Messiah was going to suffer. But that he was also going to be glorified in a time that is to follow. Now you remember that it says that the uh, prophets... Uh, they, they, were, they spoke as they were inspired, as they were moved by the Spirit of God. So they wrote of the sufferings of Miss, the Messiah on one hand, and then his glory, which, you know, caused them to wonder, well, how is this going to tie together? How, how does this fit together? But, you know, to us, in looking back, we can see, you know, the words of the Bible before us. We see the Old Testament scriptures that spoke of his coming uh, uh, work in his work as the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. John chapter 5, we read where Jesus had healed a man. He was an invalid. And, you know, I mentioned this a while ago, and Jesus said to pick up your bedding and walk. And when the Jews, the religious leaders heard it was Jesus, uh, they said he broke the law. He healed on the Sabbath. So in John chapter 5, You know, these Jews, they went to persecute Jesus. Verse 15, this man departed, the one Jesus uh, healed. And he told the Jews, that's, you know, the religious leaders who questioned him, that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Verse 17, but Jesus answered them, and he said, my father works hitherto and I work. So, you know, we can apply th- that work in a lot of ways because, you know, what keeps, you know, the earth spinning? What keeps us going around the sun, uh, meeting each season as they come? You know, these things, uh, he set in motion, and they're maintained. They're, they're worked into motion. I don't know. I, you know, you can uh, use some science fiction thing of, you know, having... This, uh, all of these controls that are there, these buttons on the wall, these lights and these things, if they start to dim, you know, you, you boost the energy. Uh, you can use your imagination to see how, you know, all of this is, takes place. But, you know, at this moment in time, we are spinning, we're revolving, we're traveling along in space, but he has supplied us with, you know, a life, uh, life-sustaining things. The food we eat, the water we drink, the oxygen. So these things, are a lot to be thankful for. That we can depend upon the sun coming up tomorrow. I lost my place. Uh, Verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him. Because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Truly or verily I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and shows him all things that himself uh, doeth, and he will show him greater works than these. That you may marvel. For as the father raised up the dead and quickened them. Even so the son quickens whom he will. For the father judges no man. But he has committed all judgment unto the son. Why has he done that? Why has he committed judgment to the son? Why does the father judge no man? Because in verse 23. He he committed all this to Jesus because. Because. That all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. 24, verily I say unto you, verily, verily, I say unto you. You know, he he repeats that verily, verily two times. It's like, you know, really saying this is the truth. This is the truth. Verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Down to verse 39 of chapter 5. He says, Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So, the Jews, you know, they considered uh, that they had eternal life. They, it was real to them in the scriptures. All they needed to know was there in, in the, what we might refer to as the Old Testament. That's what the scriptures, search the scriptures is referring to. For they had this word of God already in their hands. But said, Jesus, search the scriptures. Don't, don't just read them. Uh, don't just hear them. But, you know, search them. Look into them. Why? Because, as he said, because they are they which testify of me. They told of his coming, they told of his purpose uh, as a salvation for man. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So, we see Jesus didn't take on the nature of angels, but he took on himself the seed of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. He had to be like his brethren. He had to be like you and me. We all have different strengths. We all have weaknesses. But he had to be made like unto us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So there are things, you know, in our life that we might be pretty weak at. And we can be thankful that Jesus understands, that God understands those things. And that he can uh, uh, make reconciliation for the weakness due to whatever sin or whatever uh, 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 fall we might have. For in himself, verse 18, for in, in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to succor, succor, or why are you want to pronounce that? I always have trouble with that word. In other words, help. To help them that are tempted. This, these scriptures speak of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He wasn't stealing any glory from God. He wasn't stealing any power from God because it was given to him. And he thought it uh, not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But what did the scribes and the Pharisees think? Uh, these won't be on the screen, but I just want to quote from uh, certain scriptures here, like in Matthew 12:24, 24. Uh, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, but by, Beel- by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. In Mark 3:30, they said, he has an unclean spirit. In John 10, verse 20, and many of them said he has a devil and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Why do you hear him? Now, John 8, uh, verse 48, a long pa- passage here. Jesus answered the Jews and said unto them, Say we not well that you are a Samaritan and you have a devil? Aren't we correct in saying that you're a Samaritan and that you do have a devil? <laughs> Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. You dis- do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeks and judges. uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And you say, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Uh, who maketh you yourself thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Uh, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, oh, You're not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You know, that word, I am, it's his self-existing, is. That's from that verb, there back in Exodus, from the, uh, the verb that means is. So, Christ, we know, did no sin, despite what all of these uh, uh, religious Pharisees were trying to uh, speak against him. Verse 21 of 1 Peter, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again." When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judge, judges righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by, those, by whose stripes you are healed. Second uh, Corinthians, uh, this, I didn't hand this scripture in, but it says in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. For he, uh, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. And Jesus said. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. So the name Jesus you know, means salvation. In Matthew 1. Uh, you know uh, jo- about Joseph you know uh, not willing to make Mary a public example uh, the angel you know appeared to Joseph and he said uh, told Joseph Joseph you son of David fear not to take Mary your uh, your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit so you know this was not only a miracle to Mary it had to have been a miracle to, uh, to Joseph also. We know that all things are possible with God. And it's not hard to really combine the idea of, of all of the DNA that, you know, from Joseph on down to his past be combined with that of Mary uh, to form a child. And so, in verse 21, and, and she, that's Mary, she shall bring, she, uh, this angel's talking to Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son. And this is how, you know, uh, Joseph is to look at it, as a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And this is uh, this, uh, Jesus is, is the Greek word for Yeshua, meaning he will save. So, he's a son. Joseph, name him Jesus. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted is God with us. Acts chapter 13 verse uh, uh, 23. Of this man's seed hath God according to his promise raised unto Israel. A savior. Jesus. Uh, This man's seed. Referring uh, to David. Of whom Joseph came. uh, Raised unto Israel a savior. Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 23. We've read this. Is that up there? Yeah. Uh, For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And Jesus. That is he. He is the savior of the body. Now which body is that? That's. You know, that's us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Whether it's, you know, Jews or Gentiles. Whether, you know, uh, Cherokee or Creek like me. You know, we're all uh, made to drink into one spirit for the body is not one member, but many He's the savior of the church and that's you and me in whom the Holy Spirit is there's a miracle being formed in us the mind of Christ and You know it says that we must be born again So he's the head of the church in which we are members in particular. We are created unto good works so, there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. Salvation is of the Lord. Acts chapter sixteen uh, we'll look at verse thirty, but you remember the keeper of the prison he uh, he was woken out of his sleep and he saw the prison doors open, and he, he thought, well, the prisoners have escaped and he drew out his sword, and he would have killed himself, supposing that the, you know, the prisoners had fled on his watch. And so Paul you know, shouted out to him. He cried with a loud voice, don't do yourself any harm. We are here. We're in here. And uh, there in verse 29, I, I, this is kind of surprising because if you have to picture this. This, this, uh, this jailer, he, he called for a lie because he heard the voice, and he sprang in. And came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. He, he, he was really, really, really relieved that they were there. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Genesis 1, verse 1, it says in the beginning that God created the heaven and the earth. Now this word God is the Hebrew noun Elohim. Uh, that uh, which is a uniplural word, meaning more than one. And th- we find this explained in John chapter 1, uh, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, you know, that's the Logos, that's Christ, the spokesman, uh, the spokesman who was the word, or Logos, Christ. He was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not Anything made that was made. So you can, uh, you know, uh, Jesus had a say in in the creation of all that we see. He created it. You know, you look at flowers. You know, these are artificial, but you look at flowers. You look at trees. You look at the sky, the earth, the soil that you pick up, the rocks that you feel, the bark of a tree. All of that was created. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made uh i was uh, explaining that one time uh, to one uh, to one of my grandsons and uh, <laughs> you know telling him you know god made this god made that and uh, he would ask well uh, did he make that house over there <laughs> uh i say in a way cuz uh, you know the house the everything on the inside of it came from came from wood and then the the bricks came from the uh, the dirt Uh, He gave man the creative powers to put it all together and make something of it. But we are all blessed in some way with some creative uh, thing in us. And so sometimes, you know, the mind of children are just, you know, they they have to have something concrete to uh, put their uh, hands on. So you really can't go too far in explaining a whole lot of things to them. They have to mature into it. Now, in John uh, chapter 1, verse 10 It says that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. John chapter 10, he says in verse 30, I and my father are one. And the Jews, what did they do? They took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? Which, which one of those works are you going to try to stone me with? Now, and the Jesus answers him saying, Ah, good work, we stone you not but for blasphemy, and because that you, being a man, make yourself God. So, verse, 1 Timothy 3. This might help us understand, you know, you know this... Uh, how uh, the Lord is our salvation. Verse 16, and without controversy, you know, without question, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So we see that God, you know, the word is theos here, was manifest in the flesh. He appeared in a fleshly body. And that's, you know, that's Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. Now we read this. Unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So we see that this is God the Father calling the Son God. Why would he, you know, why would he say this? Let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 1, and verse 14, do I have that up there? Yeah, let me just go there, because I didn't put this down in my notes. Hebrews chapter 1, you guys can stretch if you want to. Okay, Rick, I'm just going to try to follow along with uh, Hebrews 1, 14. I've got these tabs on here, but you know my eyes are not as good as they used to be. And some of these little stickers are rubbed off. So I'm, right now, you know, I'm kind of downloading, I'm buffering. So just hold the horses, hold on, don't throw me out the window. OK, where was I? There we go. By the way, I have an old-fashioned word processor in my pocket. (laughs) Chapter 1, Hebrews says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all, uh, all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being so much uh, better uh, than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, you are my son, this day have I begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringth, bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And, uh, that's a long passage to read, but let me go ahead and if, uh, verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies? thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them which shall be heirs of salvation? So we see that all of this was appointed to Jesus to have the authority to have the power to work in uh, uh, as an example of the loving kindness and the loving mercy uh, of God the Father. Um, you know remember back in Jonah 2, 9, it says that salvation is of the Lord. In Isaiah 43, verse 11, it says, uh, verse 8, that is, verse 8 of Isaiah 43, I am the Lord, you know, he, he, he said, I am the I am, that is my name, that, you know, that's my character, that's my authority, and my glory, it says, will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. But Jesus was born according to the prophecy of old, so he had to be uh, known as the Savior, as the coming Savior. Revelation 4.11, it says, you are worthy, Lord, O Lord, to receive glory. And honor and power for you have created all things. And for your pleasure they are and were created. So we look back into Luke. And uh, these are just quotes from uh, these scriptures. Like in Luke uh, 2 verse 11. It says for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. Which is Christ the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 2.8, Two eight, we see where Christ is also called the Lord of Glory, in John one twenty nine. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world." So, uh, so there was a purpose, you know, because the blood, of uh, goats and bulls could never take away sins. Only Christ's sacrifice, once and for all, or else, you know. It, it, if you don't believe that, you know, you, you do the whole law, it says. So, Christ died in our place. We don't have to bring, uh, you know, a goat or a lamb or a dove or anything. We just call upon the name of our Savior. The honor, the uh, glory, the, uh, the saving power of Jesus Christ. Uh, in John, 1 John 4, verse 14. And we have seen... And do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and God in him. In John 8, verse 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Uh, There in, uh, in, down to 24. So, then came the Jews round about him, and they said unto him, How long do you make us to doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do, I do in my Father's name, in my Father's authority. They bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one." In closing, we'll go to Colossians chapter 2. And I want to read this from the NIV. Uh, I'm going to start with verse 6 there. Uh, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, it says continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, it's pretty much uh, kind of a, a word that, you know, began with you know, Doyle's sermon, thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. I'm reading from the NIV, so it may, it's quite different from the uh, K- King James. For in Christ, all the fullness. Of The deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Having been been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. So, you know, like Jonah, he was, uh, he was facing death in the watery grave and he called out to the Lord and he was forgiven and he was, and he was saved. Verse 31 of Acts 5, just one's short scripture says, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So, this is a salvation that the prophets have inquired and searched diligently into, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto us, saying, you know, like Jonah said, salvation is of the Lord. So, in, in closing, holy trust. Trust holy in Jesus' name because he is the cornerstone. He is the Son of God.